Hello, welcome to Multiculturalism Happens Here. I am your host, Isaac Ruelas, and I work with Visions Inc., a nonprofit established in 1984. We are a catalyst for a more equitable world where differences are valued and used for the benefit of all. Our goal is to be a resource to the people that are working hard every day to bring diversity and inclusion into their workplaces, churches, governments, and schools. Believing that the multiculturalism process of change can be a part of your journey in the success of a more equitable and inclusive tomorrow. Hello, welcome back to episode number nine. Multiculturalism happens here. I am Isaac Rellas, your host. I'm excited to share the conversation that I had with Jabari Brown. And I do apologize that during the recording, my audio actually came out really bad. And it, most of it is pretty not audible. You know, you can't really tell what I'm saying. And so in order to preserve and keep this conversation, you know, feeling that it's an important conversation and that Jabari's voice is an important voice to be heard, I edited this podcast in a way where I am actually not there throughout the conversation. And so the conversation that Jabari and I had were talking about the lessons that come from the wilderness and the ways that it connects to the visions model around the multiculturalism process of change, differences. And we start the conversation off with Jabari sharing a story where we talk about what it means to go into the darkness. When we are talking about the wilderness, sometimes it's a very physical darkness as well as a metaphorical darkness. We move the conversation into what it then means to be chasing our fears instead of having our fears chase us. We talk about the relationship between fear and power and how we can both end them and not have them be binaries but really just be both true that we can have both fear and power and this is something that we experience a lot in the work that we're doing around multiculturalism is really both ending the fear and the anxiety the racial anxiety you know the different kinds of anxiety between the the differences and how do we all stay in our power without having power over so we talk a little bit about the different kinds of power and then we get into how differences and how the three dimensions of change come into play when we're in the wilderness and the ways that the thinking the feeling and the behaving really come together when we're talking about change we get into seeing how everything is connected and the power of being in the wilderness when it comes to building community and how we can break some of those barriers in ways that really only being out in nature and being in the wilderness can. That's enough for me. Let's get this conversation going. Yeah. I'm excited to be back here on the podcast with you. Uh, multiculturalism happens here. And um, yeah, I think that our last conversation really, I hope to just dig a little bit deeper uh, and hear your thoughts, but also uh, be able to share and and uh, create sort of this, this tapestry of understanding 
together with you. So for our audience, so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to be here with you again and talk about outdoors and uh, how pivotal nature has been and how I've been able to understand myself and how I've been able to understand the world around me. And that layer with visions uh, has created a, a, a deep understanding of myself uh, and again, the world around me. So thank you for having me again. Thank, 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 thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. Well, I'm from Mississippi, uh, as you are, as you might know, and I have grown up in what I think looks like a park. So just for numbers sake, 50% of folks that, 50% of residents in Mississippi live in rural settings. Um, and Mississippi arguably, uh, although it has many cities, doesn't have a, uh, a city that compares to, you know, uh, Pasadena or Boston. Like we don't have large cities, so to speak. Our population, state population is, is pretty small. And growing up in a rural setting, uh, there are many stories that come to mind for me, uh, but one that I want to share is um, happened more recently while, while living in Louisiana. So I like to be out on the water and boat and, and canoe and fish and things like that. So this, I'd say maybe three or four years ago, I was out on a... Uh, full moon uh, canoeing journey where me and five other folks went out in canoes uh, around 1130 midnight and it was a friend's birthday and while out in this uh, on the water we went through uh, multiple different uh, passes so uh, and we got to this bayou shell bank bayou and the water, the passage for the boat was only as wide as the canoe itself. Other than that, it was a lot of lilies and uh, water succulents and plants and all. And mind you, it's dark, although it is a full moon. And moving through the, this body of water, <laughs> I found multiple things to be true. And one being bugs and insects, just like this entirely different life that was existing at the same time as my life was existing in this same space. Now, these insects are always there, but I'm not always there. So it was an introduction to this space that I uh, hadn't really prepared for. And the other thing that I found on this journey uh, through on this canoeing trip was uh, we would get to spaces on a particular leg of the journey where it was pitch black, uh, dark. We could see this darkness ahead of us. And my body initially said, don't trust darkness. Like, don't go into darkness. I don't know what's there. I don't know what's on the other side of the darkness. Is If there is another side of the darkness, follow I knew. It was uh, the end of the, as far as we could go. And this continued to happen. And what I found that 
whenever there was darkness ahead of us, that it illuminated an opportunity to turn. So there was no other way to go but the direction of the moonlight on the water once we was in the darkness. But fear apprehended me or was the first thing that came to mind when I saw the darkness. And so, you know, once we got out of this, you know, pretty densely uh, forested space, it was like a big, like, sign of relief. But I also was aware that I had learned something, that fear can be a barrier to me moving toward whatever my goal is in life, if I'm to look at it that way. Right. So, you know, starting college or, you know, for a smaller kid going to grammar school, kindergarten or, or first grade, you know, it's a very scary experience. And, you know, after the first week, maybe that kid is very excited. It was like, wow, I, you know, I can't wait to come back to school. But that school might represent a space of darkness, uh, an uncharted territory, a place that thou hasn't gone before. And learning assumes that we are acquiring something that we didn't have before we started the journey. And so that little nugget of, of wisdom continues to stick with me today and to guide uh, how it is I'm approaching fear. Not that I ignore that the fear is there. I acknowledge it, understand the message that it's sending to me and that it's something that's new. I'm about to learn something. I haven't been here before. And that if I continue to move through that feeling of fear, which was initial for me, that I find myself, you know, moving closer toward whatever the goal is or acquiring a new skill or learning a new language, whatever the, the it might be. So that's one of the lessons that I've learned from nature that stick really close to me. Close, close, close. that I've learned. how I can hold both fear and power in, and in how business thinks about power uh, being the ability to do a thing or having the knowledge of a thing and not necessarily power over someone else or some other thing. It allows me to hold both of those at the same time and that there are two feelings that are there. I'm feeling challenged on the one side and then on the other side, I'm feeling very capable. And, you know, even now that, you know, I had a thought, which is what might my life look like if I chased my fears as opposed to my fears chasing me? Like, what, what might my life look like? How might I surprise myself if I were to chase those things that incite fear for me? And it brings to mind this, this, um, this this piece of theory that vision teaches, uh, which is the three dimensions of change, in that change happens at uh, the cognitive dimension, right? So visually, what I'm thinking about is the little brain emoji that's like uh, pulsating in front of me. Uh, so I have to learn about difference, right? I have to understand that there is a different way of doing some things. Uh, there's a different you know, culture in 
Mississippi and Ken, where I grew up, as opposed to uh, where you're from. And also, and the and the sec and another dimension is um, at the relational dimension. And what I'm thinking about, or the picture I have in front of me, is a hand. Who are the people that I'm connected to? What are the cultures that I'm connected to? Uh, as I learn about difference, which says to me that I can't just I I can't just think my way through difference, or I can't just think my way through fear. Like there has to be something more tangible than just the thoughts that are there that connect me to um, that that thing that I'm scared of, or to people that I'm different from. And the third dimension being at the affective or at the feelings level. And what I'm thinking about visually is a heart, right? Like how, how is my heart being changed? One of the things that, uh, one of the quotes that comes to mind for me is uh, the Maya Angelou quote, which is, uh, I've learned that people will forget what you said, uh, but people, and, and will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel, right? So at the heart level, what is it that I'm feeling? You know, so, and in those three dimensions of change, like I think in how Visions teaches it is talking about um, understanding this, how to change culture, how to uh, make connections with folks that, and folks and cultures that are different from me. I have to know that there's a different way of doing something. I have to be connected more beyond my thoughts, and I have to be changed at the feelings level. And when I think about fear as well, or learning, those same principles apply, right? Learning something. I'm a very tactile learner, so a person can give me instructions all day, and I have to be in relationship with that thing. I have to try it on myself. I have to try out the equation myself. I have to build it myself to make it concrete for me, to cement the learning. And feeling, it's that memory for me of the experience that I had at the relational dimension, right? So as my learning and, you know, going, being in relationship with you, Isaac, has created a change at the feelings level that allows me to continue and to continue uh, to move forward and to, and to be changed. Um, and so when I think about that in tandem with learning that, those sort of thoughts come to mind. Learning, 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 with learning that come to mind. Yeah, so one of the ways I think that myself being in connection with nature um, brings about a change or brings about a experience in me understanding uh, differently is that when I'm outside in nature, I am in relationship at a deeper level with food, right? You talked about making coffee in the back country, uh, foraging for food, or whether we're, you know, backpacking and we bring all of our food with us. I'm intimately in relationship with what it is what is required to cook every meal, what is required to drink water, what is required to clean myself, uh, 
And I'm also in deeper relationship with the folks that are around me. So I did a backpacking trip and sea kayaking trip for a month in Alaska in the Prince William Sound uh, and in the Chugach Mountain Range. And there were 12 of us. And over a month, I was able to bond with folks that I had never met before very closely. And it's because of the relationship that we had to build with one another, even if only at, uh, you know, for safety and security. I had to depend on my other teammates that were with me that, uh, you know, if a bear was to come, come, that I would be alerted and would be able to, you know, protect myself and remain safe. That they were going to harvest blueberries that were ripe. Uh, and so my think is, thinking is that it brings me in closer relationship with the world that's around me, where I am not in charge of nature, but I'm fundamentally a part of the ecosystem that nature has created. Now, how I think that works in tandem with difference is just like that fear I talked about on the water, sometimes when I'm around folks that are different from me, that feeling of, of fear comes up because it's an uncharted territory, because I haven't been here before, right? And if I sit with that feeling of difference or with that feeling of fear, Intentionally or unintentionally, what I'm doing is avoiding contact with those other people or this other group, whoever they might be. And I surround myself likely with people that are more similar to me. And I don't learn across that difference. I don't have the luxury of learning a different way of cooking, learning a different way of speaking, learning a different way of being in relationship with the land and the people around me because I created this barrier uh, that prevents contact. contact. Yeah. And, you know, I think that, you know, as we become more and more dependent on technology um, for, you know you know, ease of exchange of money, ease of exchange of goods. It's more convenient to, you know, shop online as opposed to going to the store. We save gas, we do all these other things. I think that that convenience and ease, with convenience and ease means that we're also giving up something. And the something that I fear that we're giving up is relationship with other people and where the goods are coming from you know, when I order my new iPhone, you know, where is it coming from? Where is the plastic coming from? How is that impacting the environment? Who are the people that are making the cell phone? You know, as opposed to the people that I'm paying for the cell phone. So I think about all these things in concert. And what it appears to me is that I can live in a world and be disconnected with the folks that are making or creating the world that I'm experiencing. That I'm disconnected, you know, when I go in and buy my hamburger, 
I don't know where the cow lives. You know, I don't know where the grain was harvested for the bread or where the mustard uh, was, came from. Like, I don't know those things, yet I'm meeting an essential need for myself. Which, which is kind of like a conundrum, you know, when I think about it that way. I'm meeting a need, but I don't know who's meeting that need or allowing that to be possible for myself. And just as it's possible to grow your own food and to understand where your food comes from, for most folks, or some folks, I should say, I think that being in relationship with folks that are different from me is also possible. It takes more work to grow my own food. I have to know when to plant, you know, tomatoes and squash, how to start them from seed, you know, what type of pests might come up and, and, you know, eat the tomatoes or, or damage them. And that same thing is true when I'm in relationship with other people, right? As I begin to understand and know people that are different from me, I can understand how, you know, I experience the world different from them and how I have privileges that some other folks don't. And also there are instances where other folks have more privileges than me. And is it possible to still be in relationship with those folks? And I think the answer is yes. I think the answer is yes, 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 yes. So one of the things that came up in pure, uh, sorry, in PACE, uh, in the PACE training in Boston most recently, um, so PACE stands for Personal Approach to Change and Equity and Visions leads uh, these trainings, one in the spring and one in the fall. They are intensive four-day uh, long trainings uh, where participants are sitting together and understanding how to work across difference. And the thing that came up for me was to continue to ask questions. To continue to ask questions. I believe that there's a power that exists in asking a question regardless of if I get an answer, regardless of if I get the right answer or the wrong answer. Because it illuminates to me an extension of my learning. It is brought into my consciousness something that I don't know. Thus, I'm demanding of the internet and friends and people around me uh, and challenging myself to learn something that I don't know. And so that same thing I extend to you, my dear friend, Isaac, and to those that are listeners is to ask a question. Ask a question, whether it be about nature, whether it be about uh, culture or society, whether you know the answer or not, or whether it's even possible to know that you have the answer once you've asked the question, ask the question. All right, thank you again, Jabari Brown, for 
joining us at Multiculturalism Happens Here. I'm excited for our next conversation. If you enjoyed getting to hear about Jabari and are interested in learning more about him and his work, he is located in New Orleans, Louisiana region. You can find more about him on our website and about all our other amazing consultants. And remember, keep asking questions. If you found this helpful or resourceful, give us a like, subscribe, a comment, or share. Consider giving to Visions. Visit our website for more information at www.visions-inc.org. If you're interested in joining any of our workshops, trainings, or youth summits, you can find more information and registration on Eventbrite. And if you're interested in having us come to you, contact us for more information. I am Isaac Ruelas, wishing you a brand new day and a better way. Peace.